Nowadays, there's actually many opportunities to cut down on the budget and reduce the cost of operations with what we are doing. Right now, you can tap into more uh, IT and software development talent than ever before, not constrained to their local market. And they can actually work for other companies across the country, across the region, even like across the oceans if they wish. So if you're company back in the days in the Silicon Valley, well, you got to pay engineers in Silicon Valley and they cost quite a bit. But nowadays you can still have your office in California, but uh, hire a developer in Utah or in somewhere in Europe, like Poland, Romania, without actually sacrificing any sort of like quality and without clashing the deadlines and altering your roadmap too much. The most common cause of bad customer experience isn't that high tech. It's embarrassingly simple. Yup, it's answering questions. In e-commerce, it's really easy to get bogged down with common questions, whether that's where's my package, how do I return or exchange this item, or just to cancel a subscription. SolvePath is an AI-driven customer support system that enhances the customer experience with visual formats and self-serve technology to empower your customers to handle their own support requests. Get the best customer support system for your business. Get SolvePath. Get started by visiting GetSolvePath.com. Welcome to Fintech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is mine. Tim is the Chief Growth Officer at Smart IT. And previous to that, he served as Vice President of Strategic Marketing at Smart Nordic. And he led strategic marketing and SEO as well as content at Medvidi Online Medical Health Service. And for smart IT, they really are lucky to have him because it's a team of programming professionals and business experts who are dedicated to helping businesses grow through building custom software. Now, they have a long track record of success with over nine and a half years and they use the most modern and innovative technologies to bring those clients' ideas to life. It served over 46 clients in 47 countries. It's almost a one-to-one -one ratio. And their custom software development is really focused on startups, as well as SaaS, application development, among many, many other different things. And one of the things I thought was really interesting is the fact how it is all distributed and how they manage all those distributed developers and employees across the company. Now, Tim, I've tried my best to describe the experience, your experience and in the company, but how would you best describe the smart IT mission and how are you driving the growth? I couldn't say it better myself, to be honest. The overall mission of smart IT is to facilitate business growth through technology and through actually people. So the statement and mission of Smart IT is to build dedicated teams of programming and business experts for our clients. So it's more about people rather than just being about the technology. Uh, technology is obviously is always just a tool at the business and the people, the thing that actually drives the success. That's kind of like the philosophy behind Smart IT. 
is if you have good people and good processes, everything else will take care of itself. How are you driving growth? Our clients will range from startups to Fortune 500 companies, and they all have pretty similar goals and objectives that we try to solve. Today, there's like this, I wouldn't say there's a shortage of experts, but it's very difficult nowadays because of how complicated the world of software has become. It's very difficult to find the right person that matches with your business. If we talk about fintech and financial industry in particular, and insurance would be a great example of such things where you have to find the right people for the job. And the purpose of Smart IT is actually drive growth through bringing you the people that will deliver the end product. I usually say like business development and in sales, there are three things uh, that you need to stress when uh, negotiating with the customer. Those would be the revenue, costs, and risks. How can you make your customer money? How can you help them save money? And how can you help them mitigate any particular risks? So what Smart IT does is we try to minimize the cost of recruitment of IT professionals for you and minimize any sort of risks associated with uh, developer churn rate and unfit talent. For example, we have very low, below 10% churn rate for our developers on average. And the industry standard is around 20%. I didn't realize that the industry average is at about 20%. That is huge. In the past several years, the market was really good to developers and anyone who's done some programming. So the market was really booming and there's a lot of job openings. There are far more job openings than there are IT professionals, actually. So developers are really encouraged to switch jobs and look for better. And if you have a competitor who can offer them a better job, well, there's nothing stopping them really to leave. Finding the right talent and being specific into fintech. I mean, this is fintech confidential. Yeah. How did smart IT get into fintech? I mean, we always have this falling into fintech story because you don't get into fintech because that's where you want to go. You generally go into fintech because something pulls you into it. What is the story for smart IT? Regional fall into fintech was happening before I joined the team. But as far as I know, like the story behind it is it's not flashy or anything. It hardly ever is with FinTech. Yeah, yeah, it hardly (laughs) ever is. It happens as like in one of the original projects for Smart IT with uh, the partners called Bicard, which is a ticketing service. There was a lot of integration with banking systems and payment solutions that were necessary to deliver the project. Then the case study was published and the rumors spread around in our network. Then people just approach, oh, you've done this sort of project before. We actually need people who can do the same for us. And you have doing the same project and then you have some new experience and new expertise that you pick up along the way. And then you have the second and the third and actually ended up that MATIT was developing, redeveloping and revamping the document management system for one of the largest banking conglomerates. Step by step, there is no like glorious, glamorous uh, (laughs) fall into fintech when you just find the silver bullet and suddenly you are the fintech expert. No, it usually takes years and years and uh, gradually step by step, you grow your expertise and you become more competent in that field. Fintech is no exception. What do you think the biggest lesson that smart IT has learned about fintech so far? 
the biggest lesson about fintech I think it's like ne- ne- never assume that you know everything. <laughs> I would say <laughs> that would be the biggest lesson. The fintech is very interesting, similar to insurance and I would say even healthcare. Those markets, they're very region specific because mm-hmm. you have laws and regulations for each individual regions and they can actually shape the technology solution that is required. Different countries have a different level of adoption of line and uh, digital banking in general. So some countries, they are really good at it. Some countries, they are not. If you even talk about first world countries in Europe, for example, Germany is way behind everyone else in terms of banking adoption. I find it because like in Germany, they all always used cash and they were really pushed towards adopting digital solution during the pandemic when you actually cannot use cash and everything should be done remotely. And uh, studying the market, studying the, the regulations of the region and understanding what the user base of that region is very important. It becomes more about collaboration between the actual developments and the business about any application and software. Because you cannot just assume that uh, one solution fits all and different regulations are different. Obviously, local banks have different APIs and integrations. So each time you need to relearn everything. Some things stay pretty much the same, but whenever you enter a new region in fintech, it's pretty much a new learning. With fintech, it originally, that name really came out of all the disruptive technologies that were really pushing out banks and all traditional financial mm-hmm. institution type things. Now it kind of encompasses those as well, which I find kind yeah, of hilarious. Yeah, originally I think the fintech was supposed to be kind of this standalone anti-bank, yeah. some <laughs> alternative to bank. But uh, over the years, I think they resulted into a hybrid between the yeah. two of them. So when you look at that, can you share like any notable trends or disruptions that you're seeing in the fintech market currently? Think utilization of uh, microservices in fintech is a big trend nowadays. From a technical perspective, obviously, that would be like using the technology, integrating to different microservices. That would be kind of technology trend that I see from business perspective and also from the technology standpoint as well, I would say great focus on user experience because back then when, especially with traditional banks, they were kind of like, if you're a client of a bank, you don't have a choice, but to use this, the online banking that this bank actually provides you. But now uh, with FinTech. Applications like Wise, Revolut, etc., etc. There's a far more emphasis on user experience and user interface, and making sure that you provide the best experience ever. Because actually, now you can lose customers to competitor. While before that, it was pretty much a monopoly on your client base. What kind of opportunities do you see for these financial technology or fintech companies? to continue to push ahead as they're getting a little bit more pressure on their budgets, right? At a point right now where budgets are, are getting getting compressed, uh, the technology needs are actually increasing in a lot of cases. Tell me mm-hmm. about how what opportunities you see, not just for smart IT, but also for, for those businesses that are feeling that crunch. 
In terms of opportunity, you mean like from uh, what can they utilize to push ahead or like in the markets? How can they maybe reassess? You have a companies that are like, well, we have this huge roadmap and we've got all these things that we, we need to, I'm going to use air quotes, need to get done. What opportunities do they have to, to look at ways of delivering all of that if they want to, or what kind of opportunities do they have to identify maybe the items that have the biggest bang for the buck? Find like the biggest bang for the buck. It's, it's always a gamble. Like any business, like it's business investments. You don't know if it's going to pay out and what the returns on your investment will be. I think that nowadays there's actually many opportunities to cut down on the budget and reduce the cost of operations with what we are doing and other companies like ours as you right now you can tap into more uh, IT and software development talent than ever before because the pandemic kind of pushed us to remote workspace and many developers actually realize that they are not constrained to their local market and they can actually work for other companies across across the country, across the region, even like across the oceans and if they wish. Time zones can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes. <laughs> There's nothing you cannot solve and companies are already prepared. So the pandemic and remote work kind of push the companies to be more willing to accept remote workers. And if you're a company back in the days in the Silicon Valley, well, you got to pay engineers in Silicon Valley and they cost quite a bit. But nowadays, you can still have your office in California, but uh, hire a developer in Utah or in somewhere in Europe, like Poland, Romania, countries where the living standards and cost of living is much smaller and thus the salary expectation of a developer would be much, much smaller. Thus, you can cut down on budget significantly there without actually sacrificing any sort of like quality and without placing the deadlines and altering your roadmap too much. Using external teams to support development yeah. needs is one of the big, that is what smart IT does. And there can be a ton of factors that make it more way, 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 way. I've done it myself, but it makes it way more difficult than is actually needed. How is smart IT positioning themselves as visionary leaders on working with integrated partners or integration partners and customers to really build that experience for that company's customers? Pretty much it all comes down to the expertise in choosing people. At the end of the day, the business as usual. Picking out the right person for the job. So it starts with the team. So usually when I negotiate with the clients and everything, we discuss the project and picking out the right team composition and team structure. The very first thing that I say is we can pick out a team for you as we see fit if you trust us, but I would insist that you would attend an interview process and go through the entire like hiring process for the team lead at least. Because the team leader, the person who will be managing your remote team should be a person that you will be communicating with a lot. And mm -hmm. thus, it should be a person you're comfortable with. And that's one of the first things. You don't feel comfortable with the manager of your team. You shouldn't be working with the company at all. It's like the biggest red flag. It also comes down to 
the person experience. So you don't all only look at the person technical background. Like the guy can be very good, really, really experienced in banking and financial space. He or she can have a great deal of experience with particular technology that the client uses, but the soft skills might be a lack. Or it might not just be the right fit, cultural fit, whether you like it or not. Different companies in different countries have different cultures. So if you ever work with distributed teams across all countries, it's very difficult to actually make sure that they can communicate meaningfully to each other smoothly. Yeah. This sort of international like team usually has initially tensions where people need to understand how others work. Picking the right person for the right team. For example, if you have a client in Southeast Asia, they might look for a very particular person, not a lot of like talking and not, don't need too much of enthusiasm. Like they're very straight to the point. Give us breakdown of problem A, B, and C. Or what's like the problem or the solution? Five minute call and that's it. We're done. When you're working, for example, with the team in USA, there's a lot more that comes out to actually interaction with the client. Usually people are more talkative, it's just the culture and different people tend to interact differently with their team. So picking the right person at the very beginning of the project, I think is one thing that you need to nail right. Otherwise everything along the road will be a bump. The most common cause of bad customer experience isn't that high tech. It's embarrassingly simple. Yup, it's answering questions. In e-commerce, it's really easy to get bogged down with common questions, whether that's, where's my package? How do I return or exchange this item? Or just to cancel a subscription. SolvePath is an AI-driven customer support system that enhances the customer experience with visual formats and self-serve technology to empower your customers to handle their own support requests. Get the best customer support system for your business. Get SolvePath. Get started by visiting GetSolvePath.com. I look at this, you mentioned picking the right team lead, making sure that we have all the cohesiveness between the cultures. Does that go beyond the team lead and the company? And how are you managing the cohesiveness between the total development team, especially when working on a financial technology product that is region specific? So how do you make sure that they're cohesive and being able to understand and deliver on that mission? It comes down to vetting a person. You need a really competent guy in charge of hiring process. That's what you need. You need somebody who understands the problem that the client has. This person during the interview needs to be able to drill down and ask all the right questions. Really, it requires a great deal of like technical expertise. For example, I don't know this. I'm really good at evaluating people based on their soft skills and whether they can be a right fit to a particular client on the business side of things and I can judge really well, usually whether they will be very comfortable talking with each other, but I'm not really good at like technical knowledge at evaluating whether a person can do the job from a technical perspective. So again, 
technology becomes more complicated, so does the hiring process. You actually need several stages of the interview. That's why many companies actually employ several stages of the interview. First, like general HR, but they just evaluate CV and saying, this person looks like he or she could be a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. They can do the job and they have experience necessary. Then comes the technical evaluation where you need to drill down into their expertise, whether they have necessary knowledge and whether they have a necessary mindset to learn. Because you don't expect a person to know everything right away, but you kind of present them with the questions and put them in a situation they might learn all this. And then you should evaluate their soft skills at the end. And make uh, after those three stages of the interview only, then you can go to the client and say, I think I found the right person for you. All of this is around distributed teams. And I know personally, because I've managed a handful of distributed teams myself, uh, it's really hard, one, to get everybody on the same page, two, to make sure they're speaking the same language. But the third one that a lot of people don't think about is how to manage the HR side of the house, making sure you're getting the right technology, you're getting the right taxes, you're making sure that that they're properly vetted because every country has a different way to prove that the person really is the person, all those different things. Smart IT built a product internally to really help manage all of that. It goes through what you guys do uh, to manage that and how that helps your clients and others manage their distributed teams. A platform called Juggle that we've developed, it is used for consolidating of interview, payroll, and HR processes. Built originally for ourselves. And we looked at the business model and after refining everything, we decided, yeah, this needs to be in the market. Like people need it. We are not the only one who experienced such problems. So basically, in the single platform, what we have is a platform where you can pick out a talent and walk them through the entire hiring process and keep a full view. Because if you ever worked in any sort of outsourcing or outstaffing company, you realize how messy process of onboarding anybody really is. Because you have a sales manager who talks to the client. A sales manager then need to relay everything to the tech lead, who need to relay everything to the HR lead, and then they find potential candidate and it goes all the way back to the client through several steps. So we build a platform that combines and gets everyone in one ecosystem. So everyone is always on a single page. We have it like a like really nice Kanban view to see like the entire journey of all the candidates and to ensure that on every step of the way like everyone, including the client, tech lead, and the HR leads, they all see of each candidate and how to onboard them. Regarding like the onboarding and managing what you've mentioned, like taxes and payroll, now that just comes down to capabilities of your legal department that you can do or cannot do. How we usually handle everything is we actually contract or onboard the developers as full-time employees at Smart IT and create like a, a custom contract with our clients. Then the client actually need to pay 
only us, and then we handle all the taxes, all the payrolls, everything. But they, they see obviously the breakdown. They see how much developer costs them, what is their salary, what are the taxes that they're paying, and what is like general fee that Smart IT makes for our services. One of the things that I think is often overlooked when onboarding people into the team and managing distributed teams is actually when you have people in different countries and they never see each other in person, it's very difficult to kind of bring out this team spirit. Kind of like to make sure that the people that work for you in other parts of the world feel like they're part of your team, feel like they're part of Smart IT. So they're not just like other contractor that just wakes up, does their job and leaves. And that's it. Like for them, it's a job. For you, the contractor. In this way, if you set up as this, as just contractor, employer, employee relationship, that's where you get a really big churn rate because there's no pride, uh, there's no loyalty, and you shouldn't expect because you just put no work action in it. So what we are trying also at Smart IT to do is put a lot of emphasis on the HR in terms of bringing people together. That means like creating virtual events between all the team members, making sure that uh, onboarding present kids really working really well, making sure that everyone gets uh, like merchandise, those little things like for you, like you might think, oh, well, that that's silly having a market that sells smart IT, but when you see it every day and you have a merch and you see the logo every day, you actually start feeling like you're part of the team when you have virtual events, when you actually meet outside of work environment with your team members and you play tabletops or go bowling together if you're capable. That actually helps to bring the team together just beyond this employer-employee relationship. At the end, what we saw as the numbers and from the analytics is that it decreases the churn rate significantly. You mentioned this at the very beginning of the call, right? The technology is a, a delivery mechanism and really, really it's still a people business as much as we try and make it yeah, less yeah. and less people. So much a people business. Even in technology business, technology is just a tool. <laughs> exactly. You know, that makes, makes me kind of just think back and how, because we're talking about people trying to use technology to deliver a solution, okay. how does smart IT make sure now you've gotten the good people and you've got the great team. Now the client says, here's what I need done. How do you make sure that you're, you're extracting that vision out of that person's brain so that when they get the product, it comes awfully darn close to matching. It all comes down to asking the right questions in the very beginning and managing expectations. Any person who worked in sales knows that. That's originally like when I train salespeople and business development people, I say to them, first call or like discovery call, you shouldn't be talking at all. Everyone has this image of salesperson as somebody who is very like go and extroverted, talks a lot and very oratory person. But actually, best salespeople are the ones who know when to shut up. With the technical discovery, it's the same. You need those sales skills to ask the right questions and shut up. You should listen to what the person in front of you is saying. When you're conducting any sort of like discovery, you should be asking questions 
and listening. The uh, client should be talking, I would say, at least 70% of the time. And 30% is just you asking questions, uh, asking clarifying questions and discussing any sort of things that might be unclear. Everything else is just them uh, expressing their vision. And then you, again, go the technology nowadays tend to be a little bit more complex. You need several people. Usually you need a person who has like a good business perspective, who understands the macro scale vision. And then you need to people who can actually translate it really good uh, into technical requirements for the team. That's where the team leads and managers actually come into play because uh, you don't want just a person who's tech savvy. You need a person who can translate mm-hmm. from business to technology. That's where the team leads and team managers usually come into play. And the person you need to be looking for is someone who has at least some sort of like business analysis experience and has a really good understanding of business model and what the client wants to achieve. Managing expectations of your client is also very, very, very important. And constant communication, part of the reason why so many people switched from several years ago from waterfall to agile is because you need constant communication and constant reassessment. Because there were too many issues and the situations where the client has requirements, they pass it to you, you translate them into technical requirements, you deliver the product and it's not what client expected to be. That's why the agile is so important as a methodology of conducting business and development process engine. So we're coming towards the end. What do you hope that the FinTech Confidential audience walks away with after watching or listening to this episode? If not reevaluate, maybe think more a little bit about their hiring processes and how they evaluate the right person for the job, what it takes to build a really great development team and what it takes to run a team. We haven't talked about running the team and managing too much, but it's pretty similar to any other business, the development nowadays. But engineers can be a little bit specific, I would say, people. Many of them aren't very communicative at first. And and that's where actually the HR comes into play because you need to make sure that the person, uh, like part of your team, don't just treat them uh, as a simple contractor because chances are you'll lose them. Or or you'll either lose them or or you'll end up with a product that doesn't work. Yeah, the product that doesn't work, obviously, if you don't have enthusiastic. But another thing, like people don't think, when they just hire a developer, they think, okay, if the developer just walks away, I'll hire new ones. There's a lot of things to relearn and to do if you bring out a new team of developers, because working with existing code base is sometimes much more difficult than writing something from the scratch. Mm-hmm. So you don't want that. If you want like a developers in your house, or if you want to outsource it to other company, you want them to stay for as long as you can. Because each time you bring a new person, it will be a new learning curve, especially if you're holding replacing them. So, so another like problem that can arise, and there's even more reasons for you to think about like the team with the long-term vision in mind. Not only like you should think not only your product as long-term, like what's the kind of business model, how you can grow it. Like how you're going to bring investments from down the line, obviously. All those questions are very important, obviously. 
but also you need to think, how can I build my team long-term? Oh, long-term vision. It always comes back to the long-term vision. Yes, it always comes back to that. Planning ahead. I'm going to go in my little soapbox here real quick. It's interesting. You mentioned Agile and you mentioned Waterfall. Um, transitioned companies from Waterfall to Agile. And it was really interesting to see how the perspective of some of the executive team that Agile just meant that you decided what you were going to work on tomorrow or you're going to decide what you're going to work on in the next sprint. That's what you did. And when we were going through it, I said, we still have to do all of the work that you would for Waterfall to define define what you want out of it. What are the success criteria? You have to define that. The difference is, is instead of waiting until it's all done to look at it and see if it's okay, after each deliverable product, you look to see if it's meeting expectations so you don't get to the end and realize it's the wrong thing. And they they had a hard time wrapping their brain around the fact that you still have to... There's actually... Honestly, in my opinion, more planning that goes on when you're doing Agile yes. than when you're doing Waterfall. People try to always put those two into like visualization, like infographics with arrows <laughs> and everything to demonstrate. And I always say like your, like my background is engineering, is electrical engineering. But if you know what, like the difference between a simple drain and Tesla valve, because the Tesla valve is the drain that goes circular several times and it's actually how most of your plumbing is done is to ensure like the smooth waterfall because if you don't have constant circulation of water the end result is usually very messy yes yes it's pretty much the same with like planning in the business you need to make sure that you process is very iterative, especially in the software, because if you made a mistake uh, along the way and you didn't fix it right away, it becomes so much more difficult to actually go back and redo it because this, you've already built kind of legacy and if you cannot just extract one part of it and replace it, it affects the entire like development yeah, process. You, you got to redo can affect QA. the entire code and you... You got to redo all that stuff. And that just multiplies the technical debt. A multiplier, right? It isn't a one plus Mm -hmm. one. And further back in the origination of the code, the further back it is, the more it multiplies. So I always, just like when we were sizing stuff, we used the Fibonacci scale, right? That is the same way that technical debt builds up. It's it's not linear. It's not a one plus one plus one plus one plus one. It's a multiple and over and over again. I could talk about this stuff forever because I have a sure. lot of fun around it. And I really enjoy understanding the processes and procedures around these things. And I have a lot of respect for companies like Smart IT that are able to balance between the human aspect the process aspect and the technical aspect. If you're in a room of a whole bunch of guys who have great ideas and they just started their fintech, what one piece of advice would you give the entire room? Be ready to change your idea. All right. After customer feedback. Okay. That's good. I think nowadays is how the market's shaped and it's more user-centric. Uh, taking customer feedback and is very important. 
Voice of the customer has always been my number one thing uh, to really make sure that you're getting it, to get it frequently, get it often, mm -hmm. uh, to not diminish it. You may only hear it once or twice, but those are from the people that feel comfortable telling you. Uh, just put a zero at the end of anything. <laughs> if you have 10 users and one person tells you, look at that as 10% is telling you. Uh, look at it in percentages, not counts. And I think that really helps out a lot when you're when you're looking at voice of customer, especially as you're building up a company um, and building up a new user base, because you have small user base at that time. So the numbers are going to look smaller. So using a percentage yeah. is always very helpful. There's actually a great parallel in e-commerce business. From 100 reviews, we have 95 plus five-star reviews and 10 one-star reviews. You're doing something very wrong. Mm -hmm. Although on average, it seems like your business is pretty good. You're above four. But if you're getting like consistently negative feedback, even in small percentages, chances are there's something broken. Mm -hmm. Yes, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, we've spent a lot of time covering a bunch of different things. I'm excited to see the types of projects that Smart IT is delivering and really keeping up with what you guys are doing. It's been fantastic. Now, what I've done is I've gone ahead and created a link to get connected with smart IT, all you have to do is go to www.fintechconfidential.com forward slash get smart. Again, that is www.fintechconfidential.com forward slash get smart. And Tim, what is the best way to connect to the team on social or yourself? I'm pretty active on LinkedIn of all places. I don't have any other social media because LinkedIn I use actually for my work and yeah, I've been in marketing for so long, but I decided to just nuke my entire social media presence <laughs> from everywhere. <laughs> Got tired of it a long time ago. So yeah, LinkedIn, find me. And if you want to contact the company, yeah, you can go to the link that you just, oh yeah, you can just contact me directly. Just Fantastic. shoot me a message. Awesome. So I'm going to make it really easy for you guys. If you look at the show notes or down in the description down below, it's going to have all the links to all these different things. So you can get a hold of the folks at Smart IT. You can get a hold of Tim. Find out how they can help your business grow and go to that next level. And Tim, thank you so much, man. This has been fantastic. Appreciate thank you. I had a blast time. here. All right. Well, until next time. Thanks so much, everybody. Support provided by SolvePath in e-commerce. It's really easy to get bogged down with basic support inquiries. Whether that's where is my package, how do I return or exchange this item, or just to cancel a subscription. SolvePath is an AI-driven customer support system that uses a visual format and self-serve technology to quickly and effectively resolve issues, resulting in satisfying support experiences for customers. Customize a visual support experience for your e-commerce brand and increase your overall performance, enhance the customer experience, and drastically reduce support costs. Get the best customer support system for your business. Get SolvePath. Get started by visiting GetSolvePath.com. This has been a production of Diamond D3 Media, with all rights reserved. This is provided for informational purposes only. It is not offered or intended to be used as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. We strive to provide accurate and up-to-date information, but will not be responsible for any missing facts or inaccurate information. You comply and understand that you should use any of this information at your own risk. Cryptocurrencies are highly volatile financial assets, so research and make your own financial decisions.